Welcome to the AJP podcast, a podcast for pharmacists by pharmacists, where we discuss current events, relevant topics and emerging issues. I'm your host, Carly McMoore, and together with the AJP, I'm bringing you the opinions and expertise of different pharmacists to discuss their views and insights on topics relevant to pharmacists. Please like and rate each episode and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. Okay, thank you. Christine, are you happy to introduce yourself first? Sure. My name's Christine Kelly. I'm a pharmacist, a community pharmacist in Leichhardt in New South Wales. And hi, guys. My name's uh, Emil Demian, uh, also a pharmacist in Belmore in Sydney. Uh, lovely to be here today. Thank you. Um, so, Christine, can I find out, can you please explain the goals of CAPS and tell us who CAPS is? So CAPS, um, we're just a bunch of independent pharmacists, really passionate about our future, about the future for all of our young pharmacists as well. Um, we're the community and support, we're a community and pharmacist support group. Um, yeah, so that's what we're about. Our goal is to apply pressure onto the government to actually listen to our profession, to take a pause on the 60-day um, policy that they're trying to put out and to consult with us as well, because that's really important. Our voices need to be heard. Emil, um, could you yeah tell us um, what the goals of CAPS are from your perspective as well? And, and uh, CAPS? Yes, I mean, similar to Christine, um, I'm an independent pharmacy owner. Um, we're sort of, uh, you know, new to the game. Um, my three younger brothers all decided to do pharmacy after me. So this really hit home. Um, you know, there's a lot riding on this and the way it's rolled out. So, you know, CAPS came together, you know, because we saw that uh, some more action had to be taken in the industry. Um, and we reached out to, to like-minded pharmacists and um, pharmacy owners that were willing to put in the extra effort and to, to make a stand here. Um, the intention of the group, like Christine said, is to get the government to pause on the policy. Uh, you know, currently the way in its current form, uh, there's lots of issues with it. Lots of issues with um, the policy itself, and you know a lot of room for improvement, and um, and it can be done in the right way. And that's our that's our intention here is to roll this out in the right way, so no Australian is worse off, no pharmacist is worse off, uh, as were the words of the the health minister himself. So you've mentioned young pharmacists. Um, I'm guessing there's a lot more concerns for young pharmacists, people who are thinking about studying pharmacy. Could you please tell me some of the, um, some of the feedback you've heard from those groups? Yeah, I mean, um, the the primary, uh, you know, the primary people here, like you're saying, people have just started pharmacy. You know, it's a it'd be a major concern for people that are just first year pharmacists. And as one of our colleagues was was talking to them about, you know, they don't even know what's happening here really in realistic terms. You know, they've just started this course. They've never even heard of what the Guild is. Um, they don't even know what 60-day dispensing probably means to the industry, and they're just getting dragged into this. Um, the issue is going to unfold, you know, over the next couple of years, and by the time these guys finish their, their uni degrees, you know, four years from now or five years from now, what does that look like? You know, there's uh, if our businesses are, are stretched to the point of, you know, um, cutting staff and all these things that, that we're talking and potentially might be happening to our industry, then are there going to be spots left for intern pharmacists? You know, uh, we've traditionally always supported the industry. It's the only way to get new pharmacists into their registration. 
and they're the ones that are most concerned. You know, third year, fourth year students are saying to us, are we going to have an internship, you know, in a couple of years' time? Or uh, how am I going to get an internship if uh, there's no spots in, in the community pharmacists, uh, pharmacy? Sorry, Christine, and your thoughts as well? Like Emil, the similar voices are being heard across the nation, I suppose. Um, you know, speaking to a lot of students before during COVID, we were called lots of different names, mainly heroes. Um, people could come to us in the front line. We were definitely in the front line. We were open. It was a career path that was valued. And, um, you know, people were excited to become a pharmacist. We really need to maintain that sort of commitment from our students as well. And unfortunately, at the moment, what the health minister is saying is that we are not valued. And that scares me because if students hear that, why would you want to go into a career path that's not valued? I mean, we are one of the top three most trusted professions. I mean, that's got to say something, right? So um, it's something that we need to protect and that's why we really need to engage lots and lots of students. So you've mentioned um, internships, you've mentioned people wanting to study pharmacy and it being, and the government telling us basically by the 60-day dispensing that we're not valued. Um, I guess I would say, do you feel that that's for pharmacists specifically or is it the healthcare in as a whole or specifically pharmacists and I guess I'd ask, uh, what is the best way forward considering, like, what changes could the government make now to show that they value pharmacists? Is it the pause or is it reversing it or is it the 8 CPA? I think um, that's a, there's a lot of levels to that question, you know, and <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's not an easy fix, but I think, I think put in sim simple terms, Pause is the, the critical thing here, you know, like we're, uh, you know, we're, we're caps, we're just, you know, we're pharmacists and we're not the policy makers, we don't work on economics, you know, all we see here is that grassroots business models, we see what the funding from the PBS has, does for our businesses and how, what it does for Australians, you know, um, the critical thing the PBS has always talked about is equal and um, equal access to medications for all Australians, right, so the big issue we have here is that this policy will benefit few Australians while everyone else sort of has to pay, you know. Um, and so when you talk about what can be done here, there's, you know, an array of things. But the critical part of why this is sort of falling apart is that dispensing fee. You know, the dispensing fee um, is, is the – it's sort of the uh, the only way the system works. Um, the first dispensing fee sort of if – if you break down the numbers – it covers the cost of the goods and, you know, and, and and what you're handing out. The second, you know, dispensing fee that we're losing out here um, is actually what what maintains our wages and rent and the, the, the professional service time and and all the other aspects to the community pharmacy and, and what, how we serve the community. So when we talk about what we can what can be done here, it would be great if the dispensing fee is left alone how it is. We're happy to proceed with 60-day dispensing in a form that works. Um, but, um, you know, compared to the data we've seen from across the world, the government talks about other countries doing 60-day dispensing. But what the information they're leaving out is the way it's done, you know. There's um, other countries still pay dispensing fees. Other countries allow pharmacists 
a discretion, you know, if something is out of stock or low stock, to change that script to a 30-day script so two patients benefit, not one. Um, there's a whole array of finer details which have just been looked over, as Christine said, because of the lack of consultation. Um, and that's that's how this thing moves forward, we think. So you said few Australians will benefit. So you mean uh, the Australians that are, are on a single medication, because that's been what's been proposed before, whereas the elderly patients or patients in aged care are the ones that are going to be impacted the most by the um, by the changes pharmacy has to make in accordance with 60-day dispensing. Is that what you believe? Yeah. So, I mean, the government used the number 6 million Australians. Um, the economic reports, you know, the ERGOT report shows that's uh, most likely a lot less. There'll be a very small portion of Australians in the middle to upper class who are on that one medication, which uh, may benefit them. That's if the doc the doctors are writing, you know, the double scripts, you know, which has been signs that that's uh, may not be happening. Um, you know, so that that may alleviate some pressure of the system, but not enough, you know, for the the other 23 million. And like you said, people that are on multiple medications, uh, people that are in aged care, um, you know, they, they're going to maybe I'm sure your listeners know about the safety net and, and how that's going to be affected. These people will still reach a safety net. They won't benefit from this at all. And if, if anything, they're going to feel the, the brunt of you know, forced price increases, which is coming from the government, you know, forcing our hands. So, Christine, anything more on that? Yeah, so not only will it be forced price increases, but we're talking about less services as well. So the government's very focused, and Mark um, Butler actually mentioned that he wants pharmacists and other healthcare professionals to increase their range of services, their scope of practice. It's all really well and good to want us to do that. But if you take away, you know, 40% of our funding, we can't really have the ability to actually have the money to do that. You need staff to be able to do those extra services. And just like during COVID, um, pharmacists were very happy to actually ramp up, provide the services that were needed at the time. We're also ready now to do that, but we need the funding to do that. And unfortunately, that is through the dispensing fee that we are going to lose through this 60-day double dispensing. Um, and that's really important. So I think there's definitely ways of going around this where the government can still save face. With 60-day dispensing, they could leave us with the, you know, double, they could give us a double dispensing fee as well, and that would be fine. They can lower the cost of living for people by halving the co-payments even. Um, there's a lot of suggestions that all they need to do is actually just listen and obviously consult, which they haven't done, and they're not willing to do at the moment. Yeah. So the, cause I know different pharmacy groups have been going to Canberra, meeting, having discussions, but there hasn't been a lot of consultation. That's, yeah. So I might ask, um, so from a general perspective, just um, for a lot of people who've just been introduced to CAPS, um, why are CAPS needed um, your group to be formed? And because um, we've got some other bodies representing pharmacists, but what specifically is for your group? Of course. Well, I mean, look, I think um, at a higher level, obviously, you know, you got the Pharmacy Guild, you know, they have their interests. You have the PSA with their interests. You have some large franchise groups with their interests. But at the end of the day, all those organisations don't mean anything without 
the pharmacy students, the pharmacists and the owners operating the, those pharmacies in the community. Um, and so, you know, there's a bit of a disconnect sometimes between, uh, you know, fees being paid and membership fees and franchise fees that keeps those businesses yeah. running in essence. But, you know, what, what keeps the grassroots running is what we do, you know, and community pharmacy in Australia is you know, what the best, one of the best pharmacy services in the entire world. And that's well documented. And that's because of the structure that we have, um, you know, and we believe, so as CAPS, we sat down one night and we said, you know, what other profession can give a free service the way we do? You know, you can't go to your accountant, you can't go to your doctor, you can't call your lawyer just to have even one question, you know, but but we, you know, we're there all the time. You just, you can ask your pharmacist anything you want with the first point of call. Then, you know, the more pharmacists we're speaking to, we've got thousands of people now jumping on, on board to our CAPS movement and Pharmacists are messaging and calling all around the nation saying, telling us stories, you know, how many times I've resuscitated someone in my pharmacy because while they're having anaphylactic shock, they think of the pharmacy. I want to go there to get my help. You know, people come in bleeding. They need help. Uh, mothers come in, you know, with angst and stress about what's going on. First point of call, pharmacist. Five minutes, 10 minutes, 30 minutes. You can sit with us and we'll just chat to you. Um and the list goes on and on, you know, free deliveries after hours, uh, free phone calls, pharmacists hand out their mobile number to nearly all their patients and, hey, just give me a call if you need anything. That's how we finish off our sentence. Um, and that all comes and is encompassed by this. So, you know, as CAPS, we sat there and we said, what's going on here? Like, this is, this is targeting the heart of what we do. In essence, it's going to change the way that we even consult our patients like we don't we don't want this this change we don't want to be forced to um, have to treat our patients differently fairly or um, decide between one patient and another that's not how community pharmacy operates in Australia and that's sort of what brought caps together and you know I think um, yeah I think our action now is to bring that to the government's doorstep and say you know all good and well you got these deals with big organizations and high level discussions but without us and without, you know, the, the patients being happy with your government, the whole system's going to fall apart. Yeah. Um, so I was going to ask you to tell me about the gatherings in Sydney um, that have happened and the imminent gathering in Canberra. What would you like pharmacists, staff and the public to know about these? We want, the, we want everyone to actually hear the truth about the 60-day campaign. So the government's been carrying on that we're doing a, that the Guild is doing a scare campaign. But to be honest, the truth is sometimes scary. So what we are running is the truth campaign. And that is very, very important to put out there. We, we're wearing shirts in our pharmacies. So then we actively get questions from our communities as to what this is all about as well, because it's important that they completely understand that this policy is has not been agreed upon by pharmacists, by community pharmacy, and that no one was consulted about this either. And that the saving, the supposed saving is actually not coming from the government, like what they're what like what they're saying. It's coming from our pockets, their community pharmacies. And I would guarantee that almost every single person that I have spoken to about this that thought that it was good originally does not think it's fair and they have all said that they will ask for 30-day scripts. Now, I put it back onto the government. It's not fair for the customers to actually have to do this. 
they shouldn't have to choose and they shouldn't have to tell us that they're going to fight for us. But they obviously value us enough to say that they will. And I think that's a really important message to get out there. Um, but, yeah, um, Emil? Yeah, in regards to Sydney, you know, we um, for, for something that happened really quickly, you know, it sort of happened really naturally. And that's because, like Christine's saying, the truth is simple here. Um, there's a lot, a lot of media, media push and, and media control initially on the messaging around 60 Day. But, you know, it, it unfortunately takes one-on-one -on -one discussions with every single person to explain what does it mean because our best friends, our family, workers in our pharmacy, pharmacists that work in the dispensary didn't, don't even understand what that meant, what the 60 minute dispensing mean, you know. So, you know, we have to hand out two. We only get remunerated for one. When they hear that, people are like, oh, that doesn't sound right, you know. So I go to a coffee shop, buying two, and the guy, the owner has to pay for the second one. It doesn't make sense. You know, so once we started getting that message out, we actually ran a webinar. So we, we hired someone to do a webinar, educational piece. That webinar then went out to as many people as we, we could. And I think we got close to a thousand registrations and, and viewers that, that night. That opened up the messaging of 60 Day. And, you know, in Sydney, we had close to 2,000 people, family, friends, customers from all around Sydney. Uh, and pharmacists who themselves were, were skeptical, they thought we'd just come down and see what's how this goes. And then they realized that we have the power to bring this to attention and do it the right way, you know. So uh, after a successful campaign, we decided to take it to Canberra. Yeah. I guess I'd ask, um, what impact are you hoping to make with the uh, with the gathering in Canberra, considering the 1st of September is right around the corner? Yeah, uh, I mean, again, we're, we're not we're not politicians, so we're learning as we go. But the disallowance motions that can be uh, applied and applied again is sort of what we're leveraging on here. Um, and you know, if the government's uh, ra rational and logical, they can come to the table before this even has to happen. Um, if anything, it's continual awareness. It's a uh, it, it will bring more media attention to this, uh, in the right media attention to this. Um, and you know, the more people that hear about this. The more Australians that understand this, the more pressure there will be on the government. Uh, and we do truly hope that the government pauses, reach out to us even. We can be the bridge between, you know, themselves and other organisations if, if we have to be. Because like I said, we're not the policymakers or we're not the economists, we're not the, the strategists here. Uh, we just understand our businesses and the more people we can bring to attention to that, the better. I guess uh, the impact of 60-day um, dispensing is likely to be drawn out over like 18 to 24 months, considering uh, patients having to get their scripts changed um, and really seeing the impact on pharmacies. Um, so, and and the three tranches of medications being released as well. So, I guess how would you, um, considering if if things do go ahead, how would you keep the pressure and maintain everyone's focus on the changes? Um, we're going to protest in every single state <laughs> until they listen to us. That's our message to the government, that we're not going to stop the fight. We're actually all really united. Um, I don't know. It's It's been really actually amazing how united the whole nation is um, with this fight. So we've got a lot of energy left to give. 
I don't know about you, Amila. I'm sure you have crap loads as well. But, man, we're going to keep on fighting until they listen to us because it's not fair. Um, and we are the voters. Our, our customers are voters as well. And they owe it to us to listen to us, at least listen to us. Um, and that involves consulting as well before they carry something that's so devastating to a whole community. Sorry, go Emil. You're probably going to be a bit more logical than me. <laughs> no, you're right. It's, it's a lot of emotion, but um, you know, this thing doesn't stop until it does stop. You know, and that's and that's our attitude here. And you know, we want the government to hear us loud and clear that if we have to fight this until the next elections and then the right people are put into power, we will do that. Um, we're not a political party. We, we're not pro-Labor or pro-Liberal or anything like that because we've got mixed voters across the group. So I think the government has to know that, you know, that 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 clearly, that clear, clear message is, you know, the people in power have to be responsive and have to be aware of the consequences of this sort of action. And, you know, it's not a two-year decision. It will, de- will decimate the way community pharmacy has been running in Australia for many decades. Um, and, you know, as this thing progresses and if it goes past this uh, this rally in Canberra, then, you know, there, there's more extreme things that pharmacists can unite and uh, and potentially do, you know, uh, we, that we we, could, we provide a lot of services to the nation. We vaccinate majority of the nation now. We provide, you know, opioid uh, treatment therapy to the whole nation now through PBS pharmacies. You know, the government forced all the private clinics who who's supplied and looked after, you know, 40 to 50 percent of ODT patients across the nation. The government forced those clinics to close. Um, so, again, we're carrying the load of that. And if we have to recommend to the CAPS community and to all pharmacists who are part of our movement to hold back on this, then we will. Because, you know, until the government realises what they've got uh, before they lose it, then that's the critical piece here. And, um, and we're not scared to push on because once it's gone, then everybody will feel the pain. We will feel the pain. The patients will feel the pain. Um, and we don't want that. My next question was going to be, do you have gatherings planned in each city? So you've answered that one. Um, and I wanted to find out, how did you come up with the name, the Truth Campaign Rally? The Truth Campaign came out really organically, actually. Um, one of our team members came up with that because it kept on, it, it kind of went against the scare campaign. And every time it came up, we're like, we just want to speak our truth. And so it just happened to come out organically, the truth campaign. Emil, would you agree? That's it. Yeah, the amount of times we heard scare campaign, fear mongering from the, the, the government and the media, we just found it so disrespectful, again, to our profession. We're not a group of hoodlums or we're not just causing trouble. We don't even have the time to do this. Like everybody that's involved in this movement is we're running our pharmacies. We're employing hundreds of Australians, you know, um, and to think that potentially up to 20,000 jobs could be lost, majority women, you know, that all this is going to come to the head purely because we couldn't get our voice out. You know, we decided enough's enough, you know, and, um, and, to, and the reason we really had to then break away and do our own thing is we couldn't all be painted under the brush of Australia's biggest lobbying group, the Guild, because we're not, okay? This proves that we're not. We are grassroots pharmacists, and we will tell you the truth, and our patients believe us 
And um, if the government wants to challenge us on that, let's go head to head. You know, we will tell the, the patients the truth and let's see what the government comes out with. And we're going to see who, who's in the right and who's in the wrong. So, yeah. Um, I guess I'd ask about the ODT changes because I guess that was probably the, uh, one of the first implementations of some of these changes. How did you think that that came, like how did you think the whole process went? Yeah, the process of ODT. Yeah, the, yeah, the ODT changes in community pharmacy. Yeah, so it's the first, yeah, I guess the first uh, change we've had yeah. under the new government, under yeah. this banner of change. Um, and, yeah, we, we've had some feedback, but I thought I'd find out from you because you also said that you've been hearing some stories from pharmacists about, I'm guessing you've been hearing about their fears, uh, what they're worrying about, some of the changes they have made, some of the changes they will have to make. So I thought I'd find out um, for the first implementation, I guess, how you thought that that yeah. went. Oh, my first word to explain the whole thing would be irresponsible. Um, I've been in close communication with the private sector as well that was looking after ODT and they were given you know like I said in Sydney alone seven private clinics were looking after uh, over 3,000 ODT patients uh, that included specialized prescribers that prescribed from those clinics and they were given four weeks notice you know from like we all did from June the 1st to July the 1st um, all pharmacists out there know uh, how hard it is to find a uh, ODT prescriber. Um, many GPs are not interested. Patients actually deserve and need those safe spaces because it, it can be stigmatized. And the whole reason, yet, yes, they have been out of pocket for very, uh, many years and we don't support that. We, we support PBS subsidized you know, ODT as we do cheaper medicine for all Australians, you know, as part of this 60 day discussion, you know, we'd, we'd fully endorse the government halving, making medication zero cost, whatever it is that the government pays for, not us. But, um, you know, these patients are now thrown into a position. Um, currently in inner West Sydney, uh, two clinics are about to close down over 800 ODT patients and their doctors, the prescribing doctors who are specialized, specialists in other fields, will stop prescribing as of the 1st of October. Right, so what does that mean for these people? It means the local health district and the hospitals, which are overflowing already, and you know during COVID sent patients to local pharmacies to get support and to relieve the pressure, are now working in, in overdrive to, to try and handle this influx of patients. Uh, they were warned. The government was warned. You know, there, there's many potential consequences of this: safety to the community, safety to the patients themselves. And these, all these factors were, were literally ignored and overlooked, potentially, I don't know. Um, and this thing was rolled out quicker than the words came out, out of their mouths. Um, so irresponsible is my summary. Yeah. Christine, what were your thoughts? Oh, completely 100% agree with Emil. Look, the majority of pharmacists were actually really kind souls. No one wants to charge any of these um, patients any extra money or anything like that. And we continue to do this, this service out of the goodness of our heart. Even though we barely make any money from this, it's purely a service for them. So we all have to look at this again. If this 60-day prescribing goes, 60-day um, dispensing goes through, this is a service that we are all going to have to reconsider because it is time-consuming. You're also bringing in, um, as you said, a stigmatised group of people into your pharmacy as well. 
and that comes with its own challenges. So it's something that really needs to be looked at properly. So um, I read this morning, so the ADP reported that um, Caps Group is planning to head to the minister's hometown of Adelaide um, to display 60-day dispensing signage. So you've obviously got some other um, plans ahead, I guess. Are there any that you wanted to share with the audience? Um, Because we we know about the rally, we know about the 60-day signage. Is there anything else that you wanted the audience to know about that might be coming up? I wouldn't say anything specific. I think that the general message is we're not stopping. We will come come up with more uh, gr- more grand ideas um, with the, the sole purpose of awareness and saving this saving the country from this policy. You know, um, that's the critical piece here. One thing will will, will grow into another, um, and we'll keep that up. I think. Um, I think a big part of this discussion, I think, which is maybe overlooked, I think a lot of people don't understand, you know, they reach out and they say, you know, greedy pharmacists or pharmacists are just about money and all that sort of that discussion. We have to also remind people that we do support cheaper medication. You know, that's, that's, uh, it's fundamental to what we're doing as CAPS, you know, and that was one of our first, first things we said, you know, and first part of our, our rallies and we, Putting the customer first, the patient. This is a patient-centered service. Our, our pharmacies are patient-centered purely, right? So, another thing the government has to do here is think about how they're actually representing the whole nation, you know, and and how they can make cheaper medications for all Australians and not just some. You know, that's the critical part of what we're doing here, um, and that's got to be subsidised by the government. You know, the government has always been in charge of. PBS pricing and subsidising of medications, why does this have to change now? You know, the government can't get away with not paying for every second box. That's that's not right. So I thought I'd ask um, about, so you've mentioned 60-day dispensing delays, or what else do you think could be negotiated for the 8CPA? On top of 60-day dispensing, obviously pausing that and having a relook at that, I think we can talk about increased services um, and actually proper remuneration for those services as well that the government is asking us to participate in. Um, you know, a lot of our young pharmacists want to, you know, be more than just, a, you know, doing what we currently do. And we've seen that in our vaccinations um, at the moment. It's increased to all the NIP vaccinations as well. We want to see more of the UTI trials, oral contraceptive, um, you know, participation trials, all those sort of things. Like I recently participated in a hepatitis um, C uh, trial as well. So there's a lot of things out there that we can be involved in, but we need to be properly remunerated for that. And this is, mind you, on top of what we're talking about with dispensing. So these, because with every extra service that we provide in our pharmacies, we need to also employ people for that. So we cannot employ people if we don't remain viable. And this is one of the reasons why this is this policy isn't going to work. So in the end, like for us, for me, with CAPS, I really want to make sure that people understand in our, um, in our pharmacies that, as Emil said, we want to lower the cost of living expenses for people as well. We want cheaper medicines for all in a proper way. And we also want to increase our services. 
so then we can take the health like we can take the brunt of um sorry we can take the burden from the healthcare um services that are out there already like our hospitals are dying at the moment our gps cannot cope at the moment so if we also have to reduce our services what's that going to mean for our communities as we go further along this are we going to have people that are going to literally you know be even more sick or die because they cannot see a pharmacist they can't see a doctor they can't get into the hospitals you know there's lots of long term consequences that haven't been thought about and um that's what we're seeing in the front line here yeah i think it's important to jump off that as well is um there's been a lot of you know us versus them as well uh, through the media which you know i would call fearmongering to but the truth is pharmacists across australia work side by side with our general practice doctors you know and we actually work so well together that you form a community in your suburb you know we take pressure off them they take pressure off us we help our patients you know holistically and i think we the the that that idea that it's us versus them at this top level has to get stripped out you know all our caps guys we spoke to local gps we've got gps coming to canberra to support us in this because they understand the pressure that they're under there is less general practice uh, prescribers setting up shop in australia at the moment that's well documented there's a lot of prescribers retiring that's going to make the problem even worse um you know when we when we took the the burden of vaccines off the gps because they were doing everything else and more you know that was so happy then they're still doing it now they're calling us hey you still doing covid vaccines oh yeah we are oh beautiful i'm going to send a whole bunch of people up to you because we don't have the time to do the vaccine we don't have the time to do the vaccine and our answer is great we'll help you out and that's that's the whole image here you know so um and because of that, similar to what Christine's saying about the remuneration in the HCPA, you know, same job, same pay is also as critical, you know. Um, the GPs are under a lot of pressure as well at the moment. They're getting cuts left, right and centre. Um, but at the same time, you know, uh, we're, we're in a position where we're taking a lot of that burden from the, the government. Um, but really, you know, the, it's got to be brought to equality again. And um it's a deep issue. I think it's a it's a broad issue, and 60-day dispensing or double dispensing is, you know, one major trigger point, which is going to cause a cascade of bigger bigger problems. Um, and you know, unless they they act quick, yeah, I, I don't I don't know where this is going to end. I mean, one other thing I'd like to add add to that an example, a really easy example is when a cardiologist sends a patient into a pharmacy with their little spreadsheet. Take, go to the, your local pharmacy, get your blood pressure taken twice a day for the next two weeks. We do that for free. That's 20 minutes from, the, from our day that they're getting for free. Now, if we have to go back and charge that patient for that service twice a day for two weeks, what's that going to mean? Can people really afford that? Do they have to go sit in the hospital to get their blood pressure taken? And then what does that mean for the cardiologist as well? How's he going to get accurate results? Not every patient can afford a blood pressure machine. Not every patient can afford to see their um, healthcare professional all the time. So I think that's a really easy one, and it happens in every pharmacy. Yeah, and we're and we're seeing an increase in the even the gap charge, right? The so bulk billing's also on the decrease, you know. So who's actually say like no one is actually saving even this 
call it six million potential saving on double day dispensing, it's just going to result in a whole bunch of other charges across our sector, across the GP sector, you know, um, and then people have to choose cost or health. Is that right? Do I stay at home because I can't afford to actually go see the doctor or pay for the medicine? Um, it's really going to cause a lot of issues. Yeah. So the government not hearing us has, has definitely been a consistent message. Um, but the government has uh, brought in other groups to talk about HCPA. Um, other groups have had lots to say about what's happening. So I guess I'd ask, is the government listening to anybody um, or do other people have more say? It's a, yeah, I thought I'd ask about your views. They're listening to every other profession except ours. That's what I would say right now. So if anything, that's the kick of, that's the real kick in the guts at the moment is that if you want to talk about our profession, speak to people in our profession. Um, we're the ones that know what's going on. Um, don't don't speak to the GP or the dentist or the physio about pharmacy. I mean, I wouldn't have any idea what's going on with the remuneration for a physio. So I'm not going to want to be on the table to speak about that. So the same should go for others. Yeah, 100 um, percent. The government kept referring to the the PBAC report, you know, that that report from many years ago, which was brought out and suggested this. And again, it doesn't matter which government, whose table it came across, you know, a clear minds reviewed that document and said, this is irrational. We should not should not roll this out, you know. Um, and, you know, it's important to note that I think there was maybe one academic pharmacist, you know, out of 13 or 14 panel on that committee, you know, so similar to what Christine just said, um, I don't think anyone in our industry or profession wants to weigh in on any, anyone else's. And I really think the government should take it seriously, respect our profession for what it is. Talk to every, every person that's involved in pharmacy. Don't just listen to one party. We're all about that. Speak to us. Where's the grassroots guys? Speak to the guild, speak to PSA. Speak to locum services, speak to massive franchise groups, you know, get involved, figure out the best way forward. But, you know, we really hope that they're not being leveraged and there's no other agendas that's going to destroy the healthcare system for all Australians. You know, that's a small group can make some big, big damage and we really don't want that to happen. So I thought I'd ask if you were thinking ahead, what do you think the future of pharmacy looks like um, following 60-day dispensing? The future looks really bleak under 60-day dispensing because you're talking about 20,000 less staff, 665 pharmacies potentially closing down in regional areas. Um, some of those communities, health um, pharmacies are their only point of health care. Um, so that's not looking that great. Uh, we're just about to hit a recession and um, with all those job losses, that's not ideal either. And also, even though they want us to do all these services, if we don't have the staff and we have to let them go, then how are we gonna do these extra services? I, can't, I cannot do a UTI questionnaire, vaccinate someone with my left arm and try and dispense with my left foot. It's just not possible. We, um, you know, you need to be able to employ the properly trained staff 
to do these services properly. And that's just fair healthcare for all. It's It needs to be fair and um, available for all Australians, it, not just for the ones that we have time for. Yeah, and we, and we almost have a crystal ball looking into other parts of the world that have sort of not gone out 60-day dispensing, but like continually and continually uh, like chopped at and, and nibbled at the, the, the pharmaceutical profession and the industry, you end up with countries, you know, someone gave me an example the other day, like, you know, North America, where pharmacist is then literally behind a glass screen, just handing out your box of medicine and you get zero service. You know, they, they couldn't care if you're having a, a fit on the floor. Their answer is not my problem. I don't have time for this. Not my responsibility. You know, um, we just won't have that time to serve patients. We just won't have we'll have to like we'll have to have that care factor we actually have to let go of the care factor that we have inside of our hearts and that's what we did we did this course for we went to uni you have that passion to help people and you're going to be forced to take that away from your personality trait and just be dry toast just here's your script mate here's your script sorry no time for your question you know sorry i can't do that oh we don't do vaccines anymore even though we vaccinated for many many years oh sorry we can't do odt you know, go up to the hospital. Um, that's where we see this thing going in our in our minds. And and if you look at the numbers, um, and if you think about our businesses as a whole, small businesses. You know, we're not big pharma. No one's going to prop us up. You know, there's no big funding to to keep us afloat. We know our, we own our own businesses. And um, and once we go down that track, it's going to be a, a very very steep slope. So. So I thought I'd ask, um, what advice do you have for pharmacists at, at this junction? Um, considering the 1st of September is in a couple of days, I guess, what advice do you have for pharmacists at this point? My advice would be get on board. It's not too late, you know. We don't think it's too late. I'm not wasting my evenings and Christine and every other CAPS member. We're not wasting our nights and our days organising this thing just to to just you know go down to Canberra for a picnic, you know. We truly believe that we can make an impact. We truly need everybody to understand this. If pharmacists are listening to this and you don't understand what we're saying or what's actually going on and you want to know more, reach out to somebody who does. Reach out to us. I'm happy to share our details all over, you know, AJP. You've seen our names. You've seen our pharmacies. Call us. Ask questions. Understand it and understand how it's going to affect you. We need more people on board you know, part of our rally in Canberra. Um, so, again, if you're listening to this before next week, we're going to Canberra. It's on Monday, the, the 4th of September. We're going to be there at 11 a.m. There's buses from Sydney. There's planes organised. We can organise flight tickets and all that sort of thing from around the nation. We can help you do that. And if you can't make Cam Canberra, make sure you keep educating your customers. You know, your, the patients are going to be the ones to lose out here educate them and be there with us at the next one and the next one and the next one until we say we're over yeah stay fighting guys it's not over till we say it's over yeah so can you please tell people how they can get involved um so how they can find out more they can reach out to us um we have a variety of different social media channels now on facebook we have TikTok, we have WhatsApp, we have emails, 
as Emil has said, our details are almost everywhere now. I've actually personally apologised to my parents because it's everywhere now. So, you know, we're not hiding away from it because, you know, we're just, we're doing our part and we just want everyone to do their part as well. So um, what else would you say, Emil? I think probably if you don't know anybody involved, you can't get our registration links and WhatsApp invites right away. Facebook, I think, is probably the easiest. Go to CAPS, the CAPS group on Facebook. Um or you know, jump onto pharmacists, uh, pharmacists of Australia, I think it is, um, and then from there on our pages, we've got links to our WhatsApp chat groups. We've got links to the protest to register. We've got links to bus schedules to get you to Canberra, um, and I think that's the best way forward. Just jumping on our chat chat platforms is really powerful because a lot of people are learning a lot. A lot of people are feeling empowered. Um, and like we said, it's a truth campaign. So the more facts you know, the more passionate you'll feel about this and you'll realise we're on the right path. Yeah. Is there anything that you wanted to share that I haven't asked you? No, the link is actually capsaustralia.org for all those that don't yeah. know. So that makes it nice and easy, capsaustralia.org. So please reach out. We need more activators. We we want everyone on board, including the students, families, supporters, our communities. We want them to write letters to their MPs. We want them to call their MPs. Um, yeah. Yeah. Is there anything that I haven't asked you that you wanted to share? Do you want to come to Canberra? I'm a very passionate about 60-day dispensing, as you can tell. Like, a, um, um, and I lived in the UK and studied pharmacy over there as well, and have seen the impact that it's made over um, over there. So for me, it's about, um, yeah, I think it's the quietest our household has ever been uh, once they announced it. I think we were just really gutted um, and trying to, I don't know, think of ways to uh, challenge people, but. I think people are just really, they were just really sad at first and, and then they were just thinking about all the things that they had to do and all the people that they had to let go of and all the uh, and all the uncomfortable conversations they were going to have to have because it's been hard. COVID was hard. Um, patients were very anxious and now uh, patients are quite divided. Some are like, like you said, uh, you get lots of money, you're rich. I've, I've even had arguments with my colleagues at work who were like, but Chemist Warehouse, like he was just buying the most expensive house in Turak and he was just uh, selling his stuff. I'm like, yes, he does not represent the majority of us. Um, but, yeah, it's quite interesting educating one person at a time and, uh, and I don't know, trying to uh, get the government to understand yeah, I guess listeners first and then understand a second. Um, but, yeah. The, the news of our Sydney campaign made it all the way to the UK. Mm-hmm. And I think it resonates. And the reason why I know that, I had a customer of mine that came in and her brother had come in for a lot of advice from me before when he was on holidays here. And he went back home and I have a pretty unique voice, I suppose. <laughs> and suddenly he heard my voice on TV. And he quickly looked and he went, oh, my God, that's Christine. And I think over there, because it's happened over there, it resonates with them. And they can see what has happened to the NHS over there. And and it's sad for it to be happening here. And that's what we're trying to avoid, right? 
Well, ironically, I didn't even realise why keep in touch, uh, keep in touch, and trying to keep on think top of things in the UK. But I used to manage one of those pesky Sainsbury's, you know, pharmacies, like yeah. some people do. Anyway, but I used to manage one of those, and I just heard that it's closed down with 237 other stores because Lloyd's has moved themselves out. I'm like, my pharmacy, it's it's gone. Like like I was there 12 years ago managing it, and that's what the landscape looks like. Apparently, Lloyd's is pulling out a lot of their stores and they're trying to go online because, and I'm like, oh my gosh, what, what does it look like there? What, yeah. What does it look like here in the future? Cause a lot of people now are choosing not to go and get um, healthcare advice because they can't afford it. So there you go. We, we didn't even know that. Yeah. And you're saying it's happening. Yeah. So it's, yeah. yeah. Health, healthcare for the rich and supermarket care for the poor. Do we really want that? Yeah. It's, um, <laughs> That actually, that's a really good quote. So what I would say is um, if you're happy um, from time to time to come onto the podcast and just share updates, if that works for you, um, I'd love to keep in touch and make sure that everybody, because it's it's growing awareness um, and making sure that people know what's going on from your mouths rather than, you know, rather than what they hear from other people and stuff and so that people know what's going on, what they can be part of. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the AJP podcast. If you have any thoughts, comments, or suggestions about this episode, please visit the AJP website forum at ajp.com.au and join the conversation. If you have any suggestions for future topics or would like to participate in the podcast, please follow us on Twitter at AJP podcast and send us a message.